Guys, I know I say this before every single podcast, but this one, this episode has some especially disturbing content. Like, really, it's out there, man. It's out there. So, listener discretion is advised. Schizophrenia, a mental disorder characterized by abnormal social behavior and failure to understand what is real. The word schizophrenia roughly translates to splitting the mind. Symptoms include false beliefs, unclear or confused thinking, reduced social engagement and emotional expression, lack of motivation, and hearing voices, voices. that others voices. do not voices. hear. Voices. We used to dream. We used to see the stars. Tracing creatures lying in the dark. They said we'd never last. We say words, but we don't talk anymore. Please don't be mad. Tonight we're growing closer and closer to the end. There can be many voices, or there can be just one singular voice that a schizophrenic person can hear. Many times, that voice has been referred to as the voice of God, or even the voice of the devil. Telling the individual to do things, manipulating them, making them see things that are not a reality, making them see demons and monsters on the faces of normal people. For each other, fools. Stop! Just say when, when! Kill them! On August 15, 1967, the entire world heard of the tiny community of Shell Lake, Saskatchewan. Victor Ernest Hoffman was recently released from a mental hospital. He sensed something inside of him wasn't right, but couldn't stand the thought of going back to the hospital. He stopped taking his medication. He woke up at 3 a.m. the morning of August 15th and could not fall back asleep. He worked in the garage for an hour and then had an urge to stop. He paced up and down and then went and reached for the door. Suddenly, a strange feeling came over the right side of his head. It was as if something had cut his whole body in half and something left him. It wasn't painful. It was more pleasurable. A very powerful urge to kill erupted inside of him and Victor loaded his 22 rifle and drove. At six in the morning, he finds a farmhouse. This was the residence of the Petersons. It was as if the house was drawing him in because the closer he got to it, the stronger the feeling inside of him grew. Victor enters the house. A strong sense of deja vu envelops him and he feels like he had been here before. But he had never been in this house. The kitchen was something from a dream he had. It was all so familiar. Victor sees Mr. Peterson sitting on the bed. As he gets up to confront the stranger, Victor shoots him. Mr. Peterson lunges at his attacker and grabs Victor by the neck. But Victor keeps shooting him at least seven times. But before we go any further, let's trace back to the beginning. So open your eyes and gaze into the abyss as we delve deeper into Canada's crawl space. Thank you.
It's still considered Canada's worst random mass murder. Fifty years ago at a farm near Shell Lake, Saskatchewan, Victor Hoffman murdered nine members of the Peterson family. The diagnosed schizophrenic was recently released from a mental hospital. Six of Hoffman's victims were children. Four-year-old Fiddles Peterson was the lone survivor, and in one of her only interviews, she recalled the horrific day. I remember my brother William arguing with him, um, telling him that he could go out and shoot the cows as opposed to shooting us. And then when the policeman carried me out and he was crying, the policeman was crying, and then I knew that it was really bad. Hoffman was found not guilty by reason of insanity and committed to a mental institution. Over much controversy, in 1992, Hoffman was granted escorted day passes from the facility before dying of cancer in 2004. Well, there you go. My God. What'd you think of that intro? That was, that was awesome. Good. That was a great intro. Oh, in, re in regards to Soylent Green. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We were talking about that. Have you, see, have you seen Soylent Green, Sean? I have not. No? no? You have, definitely. I have not, no. You guys haven't seen <laughs> Soylent Green? No, I know it's people, though. It is people, but the whole concept is, is actually quite interesting in Soylent Green. It sounds like something you'd like order from a fancy restaurant. Well, basically, the synopsis is that um, it's a future where poverty is, is running rampant and, and job creation is non-existent. Yeah. And there's also a voluntary euthanasia. When you reach a certain age, you can go into this building and they give you a nice backdrop and they just give you uh basically toxins lethal injection oh and then uh you fall asleep you die and then they take that body and they process that into soil and green and then they feed that to the people who who get your vitamins yeah don't don't have the ability to it's what actually, the fuck? It's, <laughs> but nobody knows where soil because yeah, yeah. there's soil and green and soil and brown and all these different protein cubes yeah yeah Soylent Green is the one that they it's they one you gotta watch out for. Yeah, it's the one you don't want to. <laughs> or it's the really good stuff. You guys, <laughs> I, I can, I'm shocked you guys haven't seen Soylent Green. That's no. such a classic. And Charlton Heston is great, isn't that in that movie? I have it on DVD. I should borrow that from you. I can oh. I can just watch it on an Android box. Box, I'm sure. <laughs> just stream it. Pirater. Hey, I don't condone illegal activity. It's not illegal if you're streaming it. Yeah, it's just streaming it. I said I don't condone. <laughs> Neither do I. All right, so uh, welcome to Canada's crawl space. That's here. <laughs> We're in it right now. Yeah. It's so dark. It, it is dark, and it smells I'm like Sean. like Sean. It smells like me. I'm Sean. I'm Jesse. I'm Corey. Jesse. And today, <laughs> today we're uh, we're talking about the Shell Lake massacre. And I want like like that uh, audio file said. I wanted to get to this case before the end of the year because August marked uh, fifty years since this tragedy occurred. I like to preface this by saying that I was contacted by two people on my Facebook. Yeah, both with family that lived in Shell Lake. One of them uh, apparently lived right beside this farmhouse. Holy crap! And. Uh, on the night the murders occurred, apparently a car pulled into their farmyard and sat there for 15 minutes. And uh, the dad had a gun ready and everything like that. And then the car just pulled off. And that was the night that the Peterson murders occurred. What? Wow. Like, you look at that the day after and go, huh. Yeah, if that car yeah. might have been Victor Hoffman. Yeah. Wow, holy shit. And then another one had a uh, had family living close by. And then that night they had their 
that recall having the grandpa outside with his shotgun. Yeah, there was people on, yeah. on high high alert. Yeah, <laughs> that night. no doubt. Well, especially you don't. Nobody's been caught at that point yet. So you're no, like, exactly. Who did this? Who, yeah. who could so do it again? So basically, everybody, everybody. Yeah, once that occurred, was was guns, get your guns, guns out. <laughs> get your guns out. <laughs> Rightfully so, though. We yeah, get, we gonna get them. They're not wrong. I, is that I the, feel the same is way. That, is, is that, that the Saskatchewan is, accent? Is that your Eminem doing a Southern accent impression? <laughs> no, that's just that's what I think of like Canada prairies, and yet no one around here talks like that. Well, we are Canadian prairies. Uh, exactly, that's what I mean. Nobody around here talks like that, and yet that's. So what would what would give you? That I have no thought? clue. He's the just bo- going hillbilly the, there. The, yeah, the fact that. Saskatchewan's like right in the middle of the Bible Belt of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're we're all small town, is what we are. Yeah. Like even Saskatoon, it's small town comparatively. It is. You're right. Oh, yeah. Well, so. the biggest city in Saskatchewan is smaller than like the smallest suburb in Ontario, essentially. So. Oh yeah. But don't I, quote me on that, but I heard, probably. I heard, <laughs> I heard that Calgary has the same footprint on a map as New York, with like one tenth of the population. Oh, yeah, I could see that. With, Way more high rises in New York. Oh yeah, I didn't know. I don't know where I even heard that, but I heard it somewhere. <laughs> many, also, many don't t- quote him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, many years ago I heard it. If it was in high school, it's probably not right. No. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Shell Lake a little bit. Uh, the population back then, or as of 2016, is 175 people. But back Ooh, then the metropolis. Commu- <laughs> yeah, uh, back then the the community was probably around 175. I mean, uh, two hundred and fifty. It was so. It, more. Would that make it a village or a hamlet? It would. It'd be a they village at that vill- point. Yeah, still. they mentioned mentioned village a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's under a hundred as a hamlet. Okay. Okay. I think. I went to a wedding just outside of Calgary one time, where there was, I think, like twenty three people that still lived in the town. Ooh, we. So the biggest night was that wedding. <laughs> Our population from, from just quadrupled, or probably yeah. more. Um. Uh, according to a tourism website, the village of Shell Lake is a recreational paradise for the whole family. Adjacent to the village is Memorial Lake Regional Park, which includes an 18-hole grass greens golf course. And the third weekend in July is the annual Heydays weekend, which seems like a little state's fair sort of thing, but in Canada. Is, this, is it just called a fair then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <A> provincial <laughs> fair? Provincial. I don't know. Uh, okay, so this case is about Victor Ernest Hoffman. He was born in 1946 near Leesk, uh, Saskatchewan. My S's are real bad, and this is going to make it much worse, having to say Leesk. <laughs> Perfect. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, and that's around 55 kilometers from Shell Lake. They have a wonderful butcher shop there where they make amazing jerky. In Leesk? Yeah. Sprigs. Deer, like beef jerky, deer jerky, bison jerky. Uh... I think it's deer jerky. It's not. It doesn't look dark enough to be beef jerky. But it's fucking amazing. They have like eight different flavors. It's have super you had? Good. Have you had bison jerky? I don't think I have. Oh, it's best. amazing. I don't think I've ever had that either. That's lamb cool. jerky is the best jerky I've ever had. Oh, lamb! You know what lamb tastes like? Like awesome. sh- shoving a like a a day old sock in your mouth and then and then just no, like, you're so and, wrong. and just absorbing. The essence of a bring, Dale bring song. The micro, no. Bring the microphone just up a bit. You don't have to bring it closer, just up a little bit more. So that's then you don't have to, you know, be called crouch down. You better try lamb jerky. <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll change your tune. I don't know lamb. Do you like lamb? I do. Like when I get a um, a donair, it's always a lamb donair. See, that's probably. See, I don't like lamb. How do you feel about lamb, Sean? 
I never really, I've never really had lamb. Oh, it's so bad. I don't think so. I can't remember. <laughs> We're at an impasse here, I guess. <laughs> I, I can't do the tiebreaker. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, where am I? Oh, yeah. The Hoffmans were an ordinary family. They were devout Lutherans. His father was German and his mother was Ukrainian. Like many farmers in Saskatchewan at this time, they practiced mixed farming, which was growing hay and raising cattle. They kept Sunday holy for attending church and practicing their faith. Uh, they felt that everyone in the district was a friend. That's why he went out of the district, apparently. <laughs> Maybe, yes. yeah. Uh, according to his parents, Victor was an excellent farmer, a hard worker, and a responsible person. <clears throat> he seemed no different to them than their other children. He began going to school when he was six, but had to repeat the third and ninth grades. He was reserved and kind of uh, kind of a loner, but had one close friend and would attend the Lutheran church to please his father. At least he had a friend. Yeah. A lot of good that data. One. <laughs> <laughs> he was 21, maybe that friend had moved on. Hmm. Well, Victor went right up to grade 9. If anyone were on the mental side of life, he would not be able to take grade 9. The principal one day, well, something happened there, you know. He started to play hooky when he got to be in grade 9, and I guess something was going wrong. The principal asked why Victor wasn't coming to school. We talked for a while, and he'd, he'd have no trouble going right up to grade 12. But then something went wrong. As far as being smart, he was just as smart as the rest of the boys. He used to work here and fix bicycles for our neighbor's boys, and what they couldn't do, he could. But the police and the detectives, they had it written that ever since childhood he was, he was on the mental side. He was not. He farmed on the other farm there. It is very awkward to put in a crop, you know. You know, it's got bends and crooks. He figured it all out himself, and he did it just a couple of weeks before all this happened, and that was in spring. He made a wonderful job putting in the crop. If there had been something wrong with the person, he could There were about three weeks where, and when I knew there was something badly wrong, he got worse and worse, and finally, we took him to Prince Albert. It was the first time we had taken him to a doctor for mental illness. When the police came to arrest him, I was surprised. When I thought, if the boy had done that, it's no more than right. But then I didn't want to see a thing like that happen, but it did happen. That poor boy, I guess he called for help. I guess he didn't know which way to turn. Those are apparently like direct quotes. I have no clue what that middle one means. No, exactly. We'll have to discuss that. <laughs> so that, so that is? So, so that was a direct quote from the father. Apparently, yeah. That if he had done that, it was no more than right. Yeah. That he's going to prison, or that he's getting taken away. I think that he's going to prison. That it was no more. Than oh, okay. Right. okay. I think that's what I meant. I thought like the act of him doing it was like it's no, no more than right. Because <laughs> no, he was talking. Uh, I guess I probably should. I didn't want to put like a narration in in that one as well. Uh, but I guess I could have said something about um, he was talking about 
the police being there and whatnot. Uh, gotcha. A little bit of background there. I thought he was justifying his son's actions. <laughs> I was like, ah, maybe arrest no. him too. <laughs> yeah, t- <laughs> That's where he learned it from. Yeah, I learned it from far. you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Victor Hoffman had been a schizophrenic for most of his life. He told a psychiatrist that he first saw the devil when he was six years old. He described it as a creature six feet tall, black as night, and with a long tail. He felt like he was being seduced by Satan and God, darkness and light. Tapping and drumming sounds that would get faster and faster often woke him at night. You guys don't experience anything like that, do you? Didn't, didn't he also state that the, that Satan had no genitalia? Was that something that he stated? I didn't read what I read, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that yeah. I couldn't find. Like, I have a friend at work who was mentioning there was a lot more to do with the murder part, like more grotesque things that actually happened. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't find anything like that online. I didn't find anything like that, but I also read the yeah, lack of that. genitalia yeah, part, I, I too. I recall reading about that one point. All right, so he had no dick. <laughs> <laughs> The devil with no dick. There we go. That's better. <laughs> Metal band name there. Why, why do you think he's so evil? Who? The devil. Oh, because he's got no dick. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Can't come. Can't come. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, okay. So not every person with schizophrenia has, uh, has an urge to kill or harm others. But around uh, 10 years old, Victor began fighting back daily impulses to kill. It would be the first thing that would come to him when meeting strangers. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> great. <laughs> Uh, his parents had no clue about this because Victor hid his fe- uh, hid these feelings from them. I believe that. Yeah. Uh, not something you want to talk about too much, probably. Yeah. He didn't discuss any problems with his parents. Eventually, he turned these violent impulses towards animals and started torturing cats. Another cat killer. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a common thing with all sociopaths, psychopaths. What's the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath? A psychopath is completely fucking insane and a sociopath is incredibly narcissistic and devoid of emotion. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to, do you want to expand on that, Jesse? No, (laughs) you did a great job. (laughs) Okay. Uh, one time a cat had stumbled into a magpie trap and Victor threw it into the smokehouse and left it there for three weeks. Uh, but then took it out and let it go because he felt sorry for it. Mm, Three weeks later. Yeah. Three weeks later. Although he felt sorry for that cat, he continued to quote, club cats stomp on them and hurt them he would kill dog uh he would kid <laughs> he would kill dolls <laughs> i wish he would have <laughs> he would kill dogs and he enjoyed hunting wild game killing animals uh made him happy quote like it makes any sportsman happy there was one time that he beat up a young boy the boy never told his parents i'm sure because victor threatened him not to do so uh, apparently he killed all the squirrels in the area like hundreds of them. <laughs> busy boy. Yeah. Victor later told psychiatrists they were, quote, nice little tan squirrels. Hmm. So now I'm going to go over some of his interactions with the devil and angels inside of him. Uh, one morning while eating breakfast, Victor heard the devil calling him outside. So he goes out and sees a man around six foot six who weighed 300 pounds and looked like a pig. <clears throat> like the nose and tail, do you think? Or just I don't know. I, fat I, dude? What I picture is, I guess you could picture, I just picture like, I pictured a tall guy because of his other description of the devil. You know who I picture? Just with a, what? Ganon. Ganon. There you go. Yeah. He's a big <laughs> oh. fat pig. That makes sense. This He's also before, a bunny though too. Did this, yeah. did this case, um, this case, uh, 
what's it called inspired legend of zelda maybe <laughs> maybe japanese were into the it. enemy yeah the, ja- it, the japanese follow us closely like at the time there wasn't anything like this so like everybody had heard about it and it got around like everywhere that's mm-hmm. true yeah what did make <clears throat> ganon into a big fat pig i don't know uh, the devil tempted Victor with wealth, and all Victor had to do was bow to him. At first, he didn't want to do it, but then knelt on one knee, thinking this would let him uh, become just half rich. <laughs> I he, got around this devil. I mean, yeah, the science is there, you know. <laughs> However, Victor never became rich, and he blamed it on him not kneeling the way the devil wanted him to kneel. See, back then, it, when you knelt, it was a sign of respect. Oh, yeah. But now when you kneel, it's the exact opposite. So now would you stand for the devil or would you still I think, be Actually, I think, I think people were, when were, were did, bowing, why to, uh, bowing to kings and well, stuff. Well, look at, look at the kneeling for the anthem being as a sign of disrespect yeah, that's for crazy. the anthem. Whereas kneeling used to be like far more respectful than standing. You'd have to kneel to get knighted and whatnot? Yeah. Like how is kneeling not more respectful than... than you, you took a knee for the king when you're on his side? I, I feel like if you're kneeling for anything, that's, that's a much better sign of respect well you're putting yourself be. below them and exactly lifting them up sort exactly. of. So, yeah, it, yeah but then everybody made the whole somebody somebody created having to stand for the for the anthem right which so, is fucker, well, everybody should kneel for the anthem that's what it should on. be you don't have room until everybody protest to <laughs> everybody protest <laughs> if everybody's not kneeling for the the canadian anthem at the next rough riders game <laughs> It's a sign of disrespect, and I don't like it. <laughs> Foot has come down. Do you like the Rough Riders? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> I've never seen a game, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think I've ever watched a full football game. But I can tell you that anybody with a Riders Pride license plate is guaranteed to be old and drive like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Just pay attention. Every time I'm you see a Riders now. license plate and they're driving super slow or they're in the wrong lane or they're swerving. <laughs> It's, yeah, and the, and the, you'll know why. They have an R in their yeah. license plate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Pride would, lives here. <laughs> Pride. <clears throat> okay. He would also see cold dis, uh, disembodied hands floating across the room. Cousin it? They they would then float over no, to him. thing. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, thing, yes. <laughs> uh, they would then float over to him and touch him on the neck and body. And apparently these hands visited him several times. Oh. Especially uh, during his anybody, teenage years. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Anybody just think he was jerking off? <laughs> and uh, the devil had one day helped Victor pick berries, but was not very good at it. He quote pulled the vines off the berries. That was just him blaming the devil for doing a <laughs> shitty job. <laughs> mom beat me. It was the devil that did it. <laughs> I swear it was the devil, mom. Uh, around the same time, Victor also began seeing angels. He said they looked like human beings, were dressed like women, and often talked to him. The angels didn't appear as often as the devil. They also didn't have penises. No. no. Everything was completely devoid Everything of genitalia. A guardian angel once, told, or once tried to protect him and told him many times that he must not kill cows. That's fair. <laughs> How do you get a hamburger, though? Yeah, but if he's just going out killing cows, though. For no reason. Okay, true story. I don't know. I, there was no, no other background on that. <laughs> well, knowing Victor's past at this point, uh, I think we can safely assume he just killed, killed the cows. <laughs> yeah. uh, the devil attacked uh, this angel once, and Victor found himself with a sword in his hand and began attacking another smaller female angel. He's on the fucking devil's side. Definitely. <laughs> the devil continued to pursue him and kept asking him to sell his soul. He threatened him that if he didn't follow his advice, he would die a million times in his life. 
God and the angels promised he would go to heaven only if he caught the devil and killed him. How do you die a million times in your life? I don't know. You think you die once and you're done. Well, maybe he's eternal soul. (laughs) Yeah. That would probably be... But But if he doesn't sell his soul to the devil, then then he's Or maybe he's just going to get hurt like a million times and almost die. Like a a million paper cuts? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) That would suck. That would suck. Uh, Around 1964, 18-year-old Victor Hoffman did catch the devil, but said he let him go due to the putrid smell the devil gave off. (laughs) It was Willie Picton. Yeah. (laughs) He caught Willie Picton. Pork chop, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. Who you stink? (laughs) At 19, the devil was floating around in the air, and Victor tried to shoot it. Join the side of the angels now. Yeah. How come his life sounds so much cooler than ours? <laughs> I feel I feel like yeah. life is so mundane, and this this guy is just... He's got, come, he's he, got these, like, epic... He, I yeah. Meant, yeah. It's crazy. He's got crazy things going on in his head. Had he just left it there and just stayed in his own world, yeah. then that would have been the place to be. Like, Just keep guns away from yeah. him? Yeah. Yeah. Like he, the devil had magic. Did you okay. know that? Did he? Did he have magic? He did at one point. In the story? or in Until the... Victor threw a net over him oh, and took right. his magic away. Like, Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> but a guardian uh, devil gave him his powers back. There are guardian yeah. devils and guardian, guardian angels. Devils that, that's well. a new one. I didn't know that. Makes yeah. sense, I guess. Uh, Victor describes being in a Street Fighter-esque battle with both the devil and the guardian devil. He said he was thrown down from behind with some devil judo moves. Did he actually <laughs> he describe it word, as devil judo? No, I said that, but he descri- he did use the word judo in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like he flipped him over top of him. He's got something. some sweet moves, that yeah. devil. Victor's schoolwork suffered because he couldn't study, likely due to the voices and epic angel and devil battles that were happening. He wasn't interested in anything except hunting and playing. At home, he was quiet and withdrawn. Near the end of May 1967, he began talking in circles and suddenly started forgetting things. On the morning of May 27th, his mother was in the kitchen making breakfast. She hears two gunshots and goes out to Victor. As she gets closer to him, Victor fires the gun again, looks at her and says, I shot the devil! <laughs> she pleads with him to hand over the gun, and he does. She keeps the three hundred three rifle in her room. He then takes the car and drives away. After the incident with the gun the Hoffmans hide all the other guns in the house fair enough yeah good yeah. choice 30 minutes later Victor comes home and asks where the guns are he is told he can't have them and says nobody will get hurt just you know just <laughs> trust me <laughs> gonna be fine I just shoot the devil <laughs> <laughs> and then he leaves again he comes back short you know comes back in shortly and says and says he wanted to speak with pastor post that afternoon the pastor comes to see him they speak in a different room, and Mrs. Hoffman couldn't hear what they were talking about. But as Pastor Post was is leaving, him and Victor were standing by his car talking, and she heard Victor say, I'd like to kill Mom. <laughs> uh, the next day, the Hoffmans made arrangements to have Victor committed to the Saskatchewan Hospital in North Battleford. No, Probably a great no. idea. How would you like hearing that? Yeah. VM comes home, I'd like to kill Dad. Huh? <laughs> no, thanks. You're going to a mental institution. Uh... <laughs> At the mental health clinic, Victor was found to be, quote, schizoid, or in the state of acute schizophrenic reaction, by a psychiatrist from Prince Albert. So he needed to be hospitalized. A report stated Victor had recently become more disturbed when driving his car up and down the road for no reason. He promised to sign himself in voluntarily as a patient and was admitted May 29, 1967. According to his hospital records, Victor was very sick, 
physically and mentally. He complained about being unable to work. He would periodically talk and laugh to himself. He was just listening to podcasts. It was okay. (laughs) Uh, He became concerned whether he was a boy or perhaps half girl. At one point, God had told him uh, he could go to heaven. And he said he had stomach cramps and burning sensations all the time. Oh, life is just not... (laughs) He's where he needs to be, though, at least. Yeah, now, yeah, Yeah. for this time being. Although appearing as withdrawn and indifferent, Victor was cooperative during examinations. He would give very short answers and typically had to be prompted to answer. He stated that uh, he wasn't able to get along with any of his family members. He said his brothers and sisters were never able to understand him. I wonder why. (laughs) Yeah. More than once, Victor says he mentioned seeing the devil to them, but they would just laugh at him. You know, those, those are like cries for help right there. Yeah, but you would, like, if but I heard yeah. that as a kid, I'd be like, that kid's just crazy. But <laughs> yeah. I like to point out that you said he had very short answers, but according to the script, <laughs> according to the script okay. Sean. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good at, like, at like, like knowing. Self-editing? Yeah, self-editing as I go. Yeah, I, so was I, it? Was I literally it? threw this one together like today. I finished it. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. Well, a lot of it's from that one. Uh, I'm gonna send a link with it, but that one PDF file that I sent you. Yes, that essay. Yeah. Well, um, it wasn't easy finding a bunch of information. No, in this and, case. That was, and that was the only thing, and that was from like 1973. I don't think there's even a proper documentary on this case, is there? No, not I doubt that it. I, could I see. don't think so. Not on YouTube, anyways. No. <laughs> there's not even a Fifth Estate about it or anything like no. that. No. Uh, Victor's mind was preoccupied, uh, preoccupied with sex, and he masturbated every day. But who doesn't? <laughs> he was weak and very fatigued. That's because he masturbated every day. <laughs> and would barely be able to get any sleep at night. He told doctors how he had always been cruel to cats and dogs and would kill them regularly. He killed them because he said there were too many in the world. Not squirrels, though. He no, he took care of that. All the squirrels. Uh, Victor told them all about seeing the devil and the things they would talk about, but the doctors played this off as illusions. He told them he could, he was able to touch the devil and the angels, and that one time while fighting a female angel, he even took her blouse off. As the days went by, he realized that he was never going to get out of there if he kept talking about devils and angels. <laughs> he wasn't that crazy. Uh, he was self-aware. <laughs> uh, Victor was diagnosed as schizophrenic disorder chronic with uncontrolled symptoms and severe social handicaps they started pumping a series of 12 ect a type of tranquilizers into victor as medication he began improving after the second ect treatment Uh, he started coming out of his head and was less withdrawn but was still delusional and preoccupied with sex victor said he felt happy because he had stopped masturbating huh (laughs) i've actually heard about that the no fap movement (laughs) no fap yeah we're we're People just completely uh, remove themselves from any act of masturbation and apparently improve mentally, physically, less fatigued. Oh, maybe I should try that. I'm yeah. Trying it all the time. I'm struggling <laughs> with something I wrote even. I need to not masturbate. That's the problem. Put it away right now, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. <laughs> We're all friends here. <laughs> uh, the doctors kept up with the ECTs, and after the fifth one, he was more cooperative and sociable and began thinking back on all those times he spent with the devil. (laughs) The talks they had, the Street Fighter judo matches, the epic sword (laughs) battles, and all those times he told the devil that he can't buy his soul. Well, he says, okay, maybe these were just my imagination. 
and although coming around on the whole devil and angel thing, he still believed that he had magic powers. So what magic powers did he have? Do we know? uh, No, not really. The power to get angels to take their blouses off. (laughs) (laughs) Important one. Yeah. Um, sword creation like all this sword fighting did he actually own a sword like uh, no so he would have just just you would have seen him it would have appeared that he was just like standing <laughs> in a field but I can, just air like, thrusting yeah. <laughs> i have the power maybe a stick maybe like yeah. uh, i don't know like i'm like i probably a, play, played with a stick as a sword till i was way too old oh i definitely like definitely like 14 or something like that i was still but did you fight the devil doing it <laughs> i wasn't fighting the devil though well maybe i did but it wasn't like i didn't see the devil there yeah really. you're just like hey take this devil and, <laughs> and then Un-guard. But usually you had a friend that played the devil or like a tree or something but sometimes this guy just fought his own mind yeah um there wasn't much change between the fifth and ninth ect but when his father visited him he claimed that victor was back to his old self when the 12th and final ect was administered he still appeared doubtful about all those crazy times he had with the devil and angels he always felt that the black devil was always racist (laughs) that's what it said (laughs) and he described it as that (laughs) Uh, is always with him, waiting for the perfect opportunity to catch and destroy him. But later on, Victor recalled lying and saying that the visions of the devil were just his imagination, when in reality, Victor believed he had never felt so clear in his mind about them. He figured with this realization, he was ready to go home and enjoy life uh, better, because he now was not scared at all. Huh. That makes sense, right? Well, it does, because <laughs> he's not afraid of the devil, maybe? I guess, yeah, so... Just like, you have no power over me. You're still there. Yeah. He stayed cooperative, pleasant, and sociable, but still withdrew uh, inside himself at times. He felt like he was free of the devil and was very happy about it. But Victor still... Excuse me, sorry. But Victor still had a thirst for killing. He would imagine his brothers being dead and and, uh, how he would kill his sisters and parents. He pictured himself killing his classmates at school, and he told... Uh, and he told this all to a psychiatrist at the at the at the hospital. He never he even mentioned that he would think of all the stuff, or all of this stuff, and it's not even because he hates any of them. It was it's just killing for the sake of killing. Oh fuck! Yeah, he once told another patient that he was going to kill someone uh, for no reason. Mister Hoffman was told that Victor was schizophrenic, but was described as eh, not too bad, <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> A little bit, a little bit schizophrenic. Well, the schizophrenic isn't even the bad no, I part. It's the, it's I want to kill just the, to kill. The psychosis? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the doctors told him that he should be as good as uh, as ever in a year or two. And then uh, Victor was discharged. <laughs> well, doped right up on tranquilizers on July 26th, 1967. Two months after being admitted. Holy. So like when they told he, I'm pretty sure when they told him it was going to take a year or two, he was supposed to stay in the hospital. But they let him go two months well, later. How are they planning on a year or two curing him of mental illness? Tranquilizer, you just keep him doped up. And then hope he dies? Or <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. Maybe he'll OD. Yeah. Fuck. I, I don't think medicine just fucking fixes that unless you no. were to lobotomize him, maybe. Yeah. But. Uh, so his parents tried everything they could to keep... Uh, keep up with Victor's medication, but he constantly complained that the pills made his back ache. Oh, poor <laughs> oh. Victor. He slept a lot more than what was normal, and his parents let him or his parents let him sleep, hoping it would uh, help him return to normal 
being all rested up. <laughs> so given, He's just tired. Given yeah. the choice the between seeing a <laughs> tall, dickless black devil <laughs> and angels having a sword fight and Judy Chop fucking <laughs> Judo, chop, chop. all these all these apparitions coming at you or having a sore back, what would you choose? I'm going to go with the epic battles. I'm sorry. Yeah? I love Supernatural. It's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> my back's always sore, so I would, I would just take the sore back and not deal with yeah, all of that. that. Yeah, the, the knowing that you want to kill him, like, he, he knows that it's wrong. Yeah. yeah. I, wouldn't want the, I wouldn't want the urges to kill, though. Well, you're getting the urges. <laughs> okay, so I, I have to take that too then. Yeah, well, you're, oh, you're okay. getting all of You can't just get the everything. cool shit. <laughs> all right. Then I'll take... Sword back. back. It seems or like... We'll have the sword back. But I guess that's part of the mental illness too. Like the the inability to take your meds because you feel like you don't need them until it's too yeah. late. Yeah. A lot, of pe- a lot of people stop taking them because they think uh, they're better. When in yeah. reality, they're better Let's because of the better. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Now I can stop because everything's changed yeah. now. A couple of days or a week later or something like that. Yeah, and you're on a bus eating a kid's face. <laughs> it's another one we got to talk about sometime. I think we brought that up in the past podcast so, yeah. as well. It's a recurring theme. With oh, yeah. Cannibalism seems to be for us. Yeah, yeah, well, it's always pretty fascinating when a person is driven to eat another human being mm-hmm. through sheer fucking batshit crazy. <laughs> Or just, or just curiosity. Wow. <laughs> well, that's how it's going to happen for us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Victor knew something was going to happen to him. He felt it as soon as he got home from the hospital. Apparently, another patient, patient had told him that he would commit murder three weeks after being released. This patient was a younger boy, and Victor figured he must have, uh, he must have had visions. He thinks, well, I have a lot of visions. I remember things happening before they happened. It's like reading the future. Victor would often lose himself in daydreams <clears throat> and dreams at night of killing people. So always on his mind, killing people. Always. So yeah, it was it was going to happen. Uh, Victor was needed, on, needed for the farm work, but ever since coming out of the hospital, he was just way too weak. Around August 8th, Victor completely stopped taking his medication. For three days after, he felt fine, but on August 11th, he had a feeling that come that Friday, something was going to happen. He felt like he would be going to jail or a mental hospital again. And he did not want to go to a mental mental hospital again. That was his, that was the worst thing for him. <clears throat> that turned out well for him. Yeah, <laughs> he began constantly uh, imagining himself killing someone. He thought about killing his brother, like he had countless times in the past. On Saturday, August twelfth, the thought of killing was particularly strong. He thought if he could kill, he would show the devil he was on his side, and that would bring him closer to the devil. He is doing everything just for the devil now. Too much fucking Motley Crew. <laughs> Don't put that shit on. If you play that backwards, you can hear the devil. Uh, Victor spent almost all of August 14th on the tractor, and it was just a typical quiet day. Uh, that night, he falls asleep on the couch around 9.30, and his parents wake him up at 11.30 and send him uh, to bed. He quickly falls asleep, but not for long. He wakes up at 3 to piss outside and comes back to the couch to sleep. But sleep wouldn't come to him as he began imagining things. Since he can't see, he sleep. goes. Sleep. Or since he can't. 
<laughs> Mom, Dad, I'm blind. I'm gonna go kill some people. I gotta start. I, got, I have to start fucking uh, proofreading better. Since he can't sleep, he goes out to work in the garage. As he's uh, walking, he sees a dog and immediately has an impulse to kill it, but decides not to. He, uh, he works in the garage for about an hour and finds that he cannot work anymore. The next little bit is what I described in the intro, so we're going to skip to where Victor gasses up his car, throws his twenty-two rifle into the back seat, and drives off into the darkness. Victor didn't know where he was going. All he knew was that he had to kill. He saw a hawk swoop down and land on a pole. Victor thought about stopping and shooting it, but was impulsed to keep driving. The road seemed endless as he passed farmhouse after farmhouse. Everyone he passed seemed to heighten the urges inside of him. As dawn began cascading its morning shadows onto the land, Victor pulls into the driveway of a white farmhouse. He sees the tall black figure of the devil standing by the house. This looked familiar to him. He had seen this place in a vision. James and Evelyn Peterson sat on the edge of their bed as they began preparing for the day. Larry, their baby, was in his mother's arms breastfeeding. They hear a car approaching and tires skidding to a halt on their driveway and a car door slamming shut. James calls out, Who is it? Victor stands in front of the Peterson residence with his 22 caliber pump-action rifle in his hands. He goes up and bursts through the front door. James Peterson gets up and, noticing the gun, runs towards him, trying to protect his family from the intruder. Victor fires four bullets into James's stomach. James goes down and Victor steps into the house. The once quiet farmhouse erupts into screams coming from all directions. In one room, six children huddled together. 13-year-old Mary, 9-year-old Pearl, Jean, 17, William, 5, Phyllis, 4, and 2-year-old Colin. As James Peterson lay dying on the kitchen floor, his wife Evelyn remained in her room clutching tightly to baby Larry. Victor fires three more times into James. He steps over his lifeless body to where 11-year-old Dorothy was, who slept on a cot in the family room. Dorothy screamed and closed her eyes as Victor pointed the rifle to her head and pulled the trigger. Victor's head twitches and he notices the bedroom with the six children huddled together and stomps over. One of the children scream, Don't shoot me! I don't want to die! Victor stared at the children. To him, they didn't look like people. They all looked like pigs. And he figured, I've already committed murder. Why would I stop now? The children pleaded with him, but their cries fell on deaf ears as Victor begins to fire into their faces at point-blank range. Blood spattered across the walls of the room as each child fell lifeless to the floor. Victor didn't see four-year-old Phyllis, who was hiding under the bedsheets. A commotion comes from the opposite bedroom as Evelyn escapes through the window while holding the baby. She just makes it out when Victor hears her. He races after them, giving chase out the window. 
He fires four shots at Evelyn, dropping her to the cold, rocky gravel. Victor goes back into the bedroom where the children were to make sure they are all dead. He fires a few more rounds into their dead bodies. He suddenly sees four-year-old Phyllis, who was now cowering between the bodies of two of her sisters. Victor stared at Phyllis. She didn't look like a pig to him. She looked like an angel, so he decided to spare her. As he turns back into the living room, he hears the cries of a baby coming from outside. Baby Larry lay crying in the arms of his deceased mother. Victor thought to himself, what will happen to that baby? I don't want the baby to suffer. think too much that's pretty chilling <laughs> man that's, that is chilling it's, it's not too much i mean no. it, it, it well encapsulates done. the entire the entire yeah. scene well ryan ryan helped me out with that he's the one that convinced me to throw the baby voice in there which is what i was already thinking or the baby cry mm-hmm. i was already thinking it's just i didn't know because when i did it and i listened i was like this is fucking crazy now. <laughs> it added so much more life to it it does. It yeah. really does. And I mean, you, you can't sugarcoat anything. That's no. what happened, right? Yeah. Um, I, w- I also want to say that uh, Phyllis, like, they think that she was actually just hiding. I've heard conflicting yeah. thing reports Hiding on behind that. or between her sisters. And that he didn't see her. Yeah, yeah she was under the bed sheets. Yeah. yeah. But he, he later said that he spared her because she looked like an angel. That's what he said. Yeah. But he'd fought angels before. If he was going for the devil, you'd think that. That's exactly. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's back and forth with him. He I'm doesn't thinking, know whose side he's on. I'm thinking maybe he's just fucking insane. And, he's he's like and, Kenny from that one in South Park where he's up in heaven and he's playing the fucking PSP or whatever. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Controlling all of God, God's army. Uh, all right, so Victor felt like he would hate himself for it later, but decided to shoot the baby. Victor looks back at the house and gets a sudden feeling of deja vu. All of this had happened in a dream before. Panic swept over him as he started looking for bullet casings from his rifle. He finds 17 and puts them in his pocket. Uh, so this farmhouse was right outside of Shell Lake. This was the first time Victor had even been to this community. He drove home feeling queasy and thinking he would uh, have to shoot himself. Victor arrived home around 7.30 a.m. and got scolded by his parents for being up <laughs> and driving around this early. What are you doing, Victor? <laughs> Why are you doing that? Uh, he told them he was uh, he was at the other farm. Victor still felt sick at the time while uh, killing the, these nine people. He didn't think it was wrong. Mostly, he was scared of uh, he was scared of the law, scared of getting in trouble and going to jail or back to the hospital. Victor attempted to do chores but couldn't get his mind off of the murders. He felt too guilty to even uh, be able to eat breakfast. He paced around. I've been that guilty before. Not, not but from murdering people, but from stealing Pokemon cards in grade eight. You're the worst. <laughs> need that Mom, I can't even eat breakfast. I stole somebody's Doug Trio, and now they can't even fight. Uh, he, he paced around outside and felt scared. He knew that the killing impulse was, quote, cured, and he would never have to kill again. Well, Just if like that's that. all it takes. That's all it takes. 
if we each just kill nine people, we'll be we'll be okay. Yeah, there was a time when he was younger and he broke into a store in Leesk and stole a gun and felt cured of the stealing impulse he was having. Oh, shit. Did he steal anything after so that? So he he just has to he has to learn his lesson from making mistakes first. He's got he's got to do the bad thing. Some people have to have to make their own mistakes, yeah, right? That's true. I, oh. uh, okay, let's go back now to that morning, uh, right after the murders. Mr. Peterson had a neighbor coming by that morning to help with some uh, some of the farm work at 9 a.m. W.J. Lang arrived, or is that Lange? I think that's Langs. Lange. 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 W.J. Lange arrived uh, on the Peterson farm at that time. He waited around a bit and figured that James Peterson must have slept in. Mr. Lange decided he would uh, decided to open the door and uh, he was going to kid Mr. Peterson for not being awake yet. As Mr. Lange opens the door to the farmhouse, he immediately sees the body of James Peterson in the middle of the kitchen. Joke's on you. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, blood was splattered all over the house. Mr. Lange gets in the vehicle and drives to the nearest phone about seven kilometers away and calls the RCMP. When they arrive on scene, Corporal Barry Richards of the Spiritwood RCMP detachment is welcomed by the most gruesome scene he had ever laid his eyes on. I don't know if welcomed is the right word there. <laughs> I was going back and forth, but I didn't know what else to put there. It just sounded, be- it just sounded, it sounded good. Uh, he found the bodies of the Peterson family in their beds, one girl with both hands under her head. Evelyn Peterson's body is discovered in the backyard under an open window, shot in the back and still clutching her deceased baby. Corporal Richards finds four-year-old Phyllis under the covers on one of the beds. She's unharmed, and he picks her up and immediately takes her out of the house. Police find boot marks on the kitchen linoleum. They collect uh, the le- they collect the lead bullets from the bodies and were able to figure out uh, that they came from a Remington gun. So you haven't referenced it yet, but there was 28 bullets shot, and 27 of the 28 all found their mark. Like he did really well. Like. Well, I don't point, well is relative, point, I guess. Well, I mean, you're talking about a guy that could shoot fucking squirrels. Yeah, I guess he can. How much so. he's he's hunted? Yeah, that's a good point. And how how far away was Evelyn from uh, the farmhouse when she actually got shot? Because I read like it's like this it says under the windows, under the window. But apparently, he got out of the window first, like mm-hmm. right after her, and then shot. So she was a little ways away. Was able to hit those marks. But it's also the middle of the night too. Yeah, oh, it's middle. Oh, it's like early morning. Like, the sun's coming up. It's like 6 a.m. or something like that. Okay. Because he gets home at 7.30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right? I say that somewhere. I think I already and said And it's that. in August, so yeah. The, yeah. It is early. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not It's not like... Pitch, pitch black. <laughs> yeah, not, not as impressive as yeah. I expe- <laughs> suspected. Uh, the, entire, uh, the entire community was on high alert. People were scared. They slept with guns at the ready and sometimes in shifts. They thought that any family, any farmhouse could be next until the culprit was captured. Between Tuesday and Friday, all firearms in the area were checked. On that Friday, someone reports to the RCMP that his neighbor had a, uh, has a son who uh, was just released from the mental hospital and that he's a good hunter. You see? Yep. Several police officers headed down the winding highway toward Leesk. Just outside the small town, they turned down a country road and onto the Hoffman's farm. <clears throat> the police asked to see Victor's gun. It had a Remington barrel and a Winchester stock. This wasn't anything unusual because pretty much every farmhouse has a gun, especially twenty-two caliber rifles. They also take Victor's rubber boots and match them to the print at the, at the crime scene. Victor is worried all of Friday night. He keeps thinking about the murders and how he could be going to jail. 
The boots turn out to be a perfect match to the print on the Peterson's kitchen, and police head back to the Hoffman farm the next day and arrest Victor Hoffman for murder. Victor lied to the police for a little while, but in 15 minutes he broke down and confessed to what had taken place. He stated, I know I'm sick in the head, but I can never kill again, I know that. Victor Hoffman was tried and found guilty and was put into a mental health clinic in Ontario. Uh, and he was there since January 1968. He ended up dying of cancer in 2004, 2004 I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And he did get day leave. He had day, day leave, yeah. yeah. But he wasn't like released into the public for... Did he have supervised? Yes. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah definitely yeah. supervised. That's good. Uh, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. But even that was controversial. Yeah. Even... Like, after that happens and somebody does that, regardless of your mental state, do you ever deserve any semblance of freedom ever again? I don't think so. No, I would I say not. So. I mean, you, you should probably just rot in a hole until you die. Yeah. <clears throat> but what do you say about mental illness, though? Like, you can't... He, he couldn't control himself. They gave him tranquilizers. I, it wasn't like... It wasn't like... Uh, pills they have nowadays. No, it wasn't. And yeah. that's just another reason, though, because, I mean, if you're born... Uh, susceptible to mental illness yeah. and, and they have no, no way to really truly cure you, then you have no right to be out in the public either. Like, Yeah, completely. It's a, sh- it's with, a shit hand you're dealt. With that intense uh, schizophrenia, yeah. It's not fair. It's not fair to be a person suffering from that, but... But it's not fair to be allowed out to kill more exactly, people either. Like, exactly. Greater good dictates you're fucked, stay there. Yeah. Unless you cut off a guy's head in a Greyhound bus and yeah. eat him and then, and then you get out. Come on out. <laughs> That's a weird one. Yeah, that that is uh, truly... We just we just keep uh, bringing it up <laughs> in different episodes. Well, I think that's one of our biggest miscarriages of justice in like the last yeah. few decades. Just, I mean, aside from the fact of, obviously, if you're wrongly accused of murder, like Milgard, yeah. but... Somebody, do you want to give a little background to that, to ever, like the Greyhound thing? Because I'm sure people aren't cluing in on what we're talking about. Well, what was his 100%. name? 100%. Ken Young? Yeah, but it, now it's completely something different. He changed his name to protect himself now that he's mm-hmm. been released. And essentially, he he followed the exact same footsteps as Victor Hoffman. Yeah. He suffered from mental illness, schizophrenia, um, and he stopped taking his medication probably for some of the same reasons as Victor. Yeah. And he ended up on a Greyhound bus next to a kid, and he looked over to the kid and saw something that wasn't human and cut the kid's head off, severed his head uh, from reports, started eating parts of his face. Well, right. well, there was a group of onlookers that had run off the bus and yeah. were standing outside as he paced back and forth with this kid's head. That's the only saving grace is that he didn't go after anybody else besides yeah. just the one person. Yeah, so I mean, what kind of what kind of was it a machete he had? No, I think it was. I, th- I don't think a big it was knife. a machete. I think it was a knife, like. A... And he was just allowed to have that on on a greyhound. Well, he, I mean, just yeah. in his bag, like yeah, because you know, yeah. they don't do like it wasn't like the. It's not like flying. No, it's not like TS. It's not like there's like fucking Larry the bus driver standing there <laughs> patting you down when you come on. Well, if Larry the bus driver's uh, pat, waiting to pat you down, he's, he's not a bus driver. <laughs> he's not a bus driver. That guy doesn't even work for us. <laughs> he's doing a great job though. <laughs> really good. Put him on the payroll. <laughs> Look at that big smile he has. <laughs> oh, shit. He is the best at his job. <laughs> Even though it's not his, his job. <laughs> wow. How's that for an ending? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a good ending. All right. But 
We do need to bring up that the Halloween special is coming. Oh, up. that's right. Yeah. Oh, and we should do. Yeah, we should probably talk about all the other stuff. Facebook, Instagram, follow the podcast at Canada's Crawl Space. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. You know, share us around. If you have suggestions of other Canadian yeah. crimes, murders, to feel free to put those on as well. Yeah, send send in suggestions. Or uh, we're doing a Halloween special soon with. Uh, Ghost stories around Saskatchewan, personal experiences, and probably or or from wherever you are too. Yeah, I'll, I'll take any stories. Yeah, any and Canadian, <laughs> and, and, yeah, yeah, in general, and probably explore <laughs> some of the more um, prominent ghost stories throughout Canada as well. Yeah. So send those to Canada's Crawlspace at gmail dot com if you have yeah. any. I realized when I texted you that I put. Canada's cross space. Cross space. <laughs> <laughs> you that need to would edit be, everything. <laughs> that would be a great, uh, a, gra- gra- a great uh, seafood. It would be. <laughs> <cross space. laughs> but right. we're in Saskatchewan <laughs> and we're nowhere near them. No, we got to get it shipped in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the crop. Canada is not great. For, or, well, Canada is great <laughs> if you're in the Maritimes. Yeah. But in not Saskatchewan, seafood in Saskatchewan is not going to be fresh. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, try to stay stay alive till next time. Anybody else going <laughs> to Are we going to use the killer? I was looking at Jesse. <laughs>